Hopefully someone's in a class right now watching this. I've grown so much in seven years. I'm working on a PhD <laughs> in BYU athletics already. Seven years in, Jason Shepard's facial hair, the center topic of discussion. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. We're also welcoming in on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Zoom, dual threat analyst, Uncle B, national champion quarterback, Blaine Fowler. Blaine, great to have you with us. We're one week away. Explain your emotions right now. I, like, I could not be more excited. Like, I'm, I'm pumped about this thing. Three weeks ago, we were going, is this really going to happen? And now I actually believe it is going to happen. We're going to play football next week, guys. I can't believe it. I'm excited. Did you watch Austin P in Central Arkansas? Because I totally did. Yeah, I. <laughs> hey, Brenda's caught me watching cornhole on ESPN <laughs> in times. Is this because? Look, it's just like any any sports, right? Any sports on there? I'm watching like some crazy stuff on there just to have anything that's actually live sports and not some rerun of 25 years ago. So, <laughs> so the answer is yes, of course. Let's talk about our season projection. So we're going to include you in this um, to see how wrong you are with us because we're wrong uh, most of the time on this. So let's start it off. So first off, we're going to ask you all the questions that we just answered, okay? How many games will BYU play this year? Okay, and, and just so you know, I, had, I was on another call right before, so I did not hear your answer. So this is completely Ooh, like they okay. put me in the bubble. Okay. I like they it. They put me in the, bubble. in the bubble. I don't know what your answers were. Yep. So – I am going to be the optimist. And because Tom Homo said that he had a lot of people inquiring a month ago, I'm going to say he's going to pull some out of his back pocket, and they're going to play 12 games this Ooh. season. Oh, wow. I said nine. Spencer said 10. Okay. So there we go. All right. Well, all right. I would love more than 10. Let's just hope they get and double and I maybe, Hey, maybe I'm wishful thinking, hoping for good karma. I don't know what it is. I oh. don't even know if I even believe what I just said. We all have that. This 12. is a contest. <laughs> okay, Blaine. Hey. I believe I believe in Tom. I'm saying 12. Sure, sure. We don't know, again, how many games BYU is going to play, but we, we can uh, project a win percentage. So of the games that BYU plays, what will the win percentage be? 91.6. 91.6? You're going, what, 10? 11 and 11 1? 1, 1, 1? 91.6. They're, they're 11 and 1. Woo-hoo-hoo-hoo-hoo. Can you hey? Can you grab these through? <laughs> I just you know here's here's the here's the reason I'm saying that I don't know who's left. I don't know who's left to even schedule. So so the rest of because I feel like the the three the three really difficult teams. I'm not discounting Troy, but Houston, Air Force, and Army are all tough matchups, right? Especially where we're uh, not Air Force, Navy, Army. Um, on the road to begin with. So I'm just saying, okay, maybe they lose one of those and then. I don't know that they're going to add. If they get to 12, I don't know how difficult those teams are going to be. So I'm saying 11 and 1, 91.6%, wow. guys. Okay, what will the uh, – let's see. How many how many different quarterbacks will start this season? Uh, I, I hate to even say this, but history would say no matter who you are, yeah. you're going to start at least two. So I'm going to say two. Okay. Yeah, I said two. Spence said one. I, yeah, I went yeah, super I said, blue goggle on when, that. When was the last? When was the last time? Twenty thirteen. That, that one quarterback. Twenty thirteen. Yeah, I mean, that's it's, and and I'm and I'm not. I don't expect BYU to have a major injury, but some you got a guy nicked up. He's got to sit out one game or part. You know, so I'm just going to say two. Okay, Blaine. 
The second leading receiver for BYU in yards this season will be who? We think Matt Bushman will lead, right? Yeah, yeah, we'll all just assume that, right? I don't think anybody will argue with us on that. Um, I'm, I'm going to go Gunnar Romney for number two with a very strong honorable mention for Dax Milne, but I'm going to say Gunnar. We both said Gunnar as well, so we're all going to miss that one oh, okay. for sure. Okay. Uh, okay, who will lead BYU in receiving touchdowns? Matt Bushman. That seems like the obvious answer, right? Um, Matt, Matt struggled in the red zone, but I, I, I think this year he'll – He'll take that up a notch. I don't know why we didn't say Matt. They just Bushman. need to target him more in the he, red zone. He has nine well, here, touchdowns on thing. 125 they, catches. That's a low number. What, well, here's the thing. I think the coaching staff needs to do a better job uh, because you get down in the red zone, tight ends are big targets when things get cluttered, and they haven't done a good enough job of figuring out how to move him around and get him isolated. They got to do a better The coaching staff has to do a better job because if you can get him one-on-one in the red zone, I don't care if he has a guy on him. He's open. He's open. Touchdown pass. Automatic. Automatic. Can you get him one-on-one in the red zone? Yeah, you've got to move him around. You've got to put him in different spots to be able to do it. If you just line him up where he always lines up, they'll bracket him. But mm-hmm. but you you if you are creative, you can get him one-on-one, and that's an automatic touchdown. Just follow the Tom Brady-Rob Gronkowski model that New England had in play for years, yep. right? Yep. I, I'm, he, if, he, if he doesn't lead in touchdowns, then – They've got to rethink what they're doing down there. He's an automatic touchdown waiting to happen down there. Okay, Blaine. Uh, who's going to lead this BYU team in rushing yards with Lopini Katoa as the incumbent? Tyler Algier. Ooh, rushing yards. Okay. Okay. Yep. I, I think I think we're going to have three guys that are going to add up to a, to a lot of yards rushing between Tyler and McChesney and, and Lopini, the three of them. But I think when it all comes down to it, he's going to have the most. Okay. Remember, this, this guy ran for almost 2,500 yards and 29 touchdowns as a senior in high school. We all forget that because he's played 19,000 different positions in the last couple of years. But. <laughs> that's, that's a lot. That's more than and we that's thought not, it That's be. not an exaggeration. It's not an exaggeration, 19,000. <laughs> yes. So, But, no, he's, he is going to be the surprise player on the football team this year, and he's mm. going to lead him in rushing. Okay. R- rushing touchdowns. Algier as well? Same. Okay. Same. Yep. Spence said Tyler. I I'm said, with you uh, on that one. Yeah. Okay. Let's go defensive yeah. now, Blaine. Who's going to lead this BYU team in interceptions a year after Peyton Wilgar was the guy with three? I'm going to stick with linebacking core, but this year I'm going to say it's Isaiah Kafusi. I, I said Peyton Wilgar, and, and, and he said uh, Zane Anderson. Oh, see, and I, and I went back and forth. I mean, I think that, that Troy's going to have a great year at safety. I think that Zane's going to. But when it all comes down to it, with the schemes BYU runs, I think it's going to be a linebacker again, and I'm going to go with Isaiah this year. We should have done over-under one-and-a-half picks for Troy because he has zero in his career, but I believe he'll have multiple. Yeah, yeah. Wild, yeah I think he will too. Yeah. I agree with you. Okay, who's going to lead this team in sacks? I, you brought up Isaiah Kafusi. I said Isaiah Kafusi will lead this BYU team in sacks. Who's your guy? I'm going to go with Zach Daw. Because of the position he plays in this in this defense, and keep, keep in mind, in the first – Two games, there may not be a sack, right? So, <laughs> right, right. So, seriously. So we're not talking. We're not talking about what the numbers. We're just talking about who leads. Yes. Um. And, and then, and then I think, and we won't even BYU won't even play the defense they're going to play the rest of the year in the first two games. They have to specialize for those two teams. But I think when they get back to normal defenses, the teams are playing because of the position he plays is going to be Zach Daw. I would have given honorable mention to Max Tooley, but I'm going to say I'm going to say Zach Daw. So you think for Zach Daw more sacks than shoes thrown this year? Yeah, because I think he'll he'll only throw. I mean, <laughs> that that last throw was pretty impressive, like the motion and the distance and everything. But I but I say 
he's only going to throw two shoes this year yeah. and he'll have multiple sacks. Like last, he'll have, you know, six, six sacks maybe. Last year it was six. Wow. Last year it was one shoe thrown at Tennessee, Jarrett Garantano. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's well, going to have two. He'll have, he'll have two this year for sure. What would the longest punt this season be? It's going to be 71 yards. Woo! 71. Is Lee Johnson yep. back there? He's gonna, wow. He's going to hit one. He's going to hit one and it's going to turn over. Over and the guy's gonna be running back and decide not to catch and it's gonna roll mm. and they're gonna down it. It's gonna be 71 yards with no return. Right, Ryan Rico, yards. the true freshman. Ryan Rico, yeah. he, Ryan Rico has been like talking to the other kickers. Uh, they're just going, this guy just pounds the ball. Like it's, it's, it's reminding them. We when we had Lee Johnson, sometimes we'd catch ourselves. We're over in another drill and we'd stop doing our drill and just watch the punt after punt. Just <laughs> going, my goodness. And, and and Ryan Rico's having that kind of effect. He has a booming leg. I think he's going to hit a 71-yarder. Okay, Blaine, two more to go. Let's stay with the kickers. What will be the longest field goal made this season? I know he's done longer than this, but uh, I think uh, it's going to be 53 yards this year. Jake Oldroyd's going to hit a 53-yarder. Okay. Uh, yeah, I said 55. What did you, guys, what'd you guys pick on that? 55 and 52. I said 52. So 54 was the okay, long last so year for reference, yeah. We're, we're, we're all in that same area. Same okay, last game. but okay. not least, uh, what's your bowl projection for BYU? Bowl game. Yeah, I've, been, I've been mulling and mulling and mulling that. And, I, it's, and I'm like, if they're 11 and 1, like I said, then do I say, hey, you know, nobody else is playing in the Western United States and they're going to end up in the Cotton Bowl? Woo! Um, Maybe Fiesta? <laughs> a Vengeance for 96? So, and a 1? I. I'm going to say Cotton Bowl just for fun. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Let's go, I, baby. If I, if, I had some, if I had some blue goggles to put on, i just put I, them on. But you know what? I'm just pumped. I'm so pumped we're playing football. I'm yeah. just optimistic yeah. about everything right now. Yeah. There's, there's so much bad going on in the world. The fact that we're going to play football next week is so good. I'm, I'm overly optimistic. So let's just put me down for Cotton Bowl for Pete's sake. <laughs> Might as well it. make it the playoff. Let's yeah. Go. Jerem said Vegas Bowl. Yeah. I said uh, Holiday Bowl. And you, you've outdone us with the Cotton Bowl. Okay, I know. I know. That's, I, I know that's a stretch. So don't, everybody, don't send me an email. I know it. Okay, no, it's I worth it. it. Great stuff, Blaine. Great to catch up with you, man. And uh, thanks for going on record. All right, guys, that's that's fun stuff. I can't wait. Next week, let's go. Let's go, you, baby. You and I, we're we're all we're all working countdown to kickoff together next week, right? Yeah, yes. baby. Party. We'll do it. Okay, we'll see you then, man. All right, Blaine Fowler on the see Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. I hate that this happens every single year. It seems like something happens to burst a bubble for BYU fans, whether it's injury news or an early loss to a significant rivalry team that I will not make specific mention of. But there's something that burst the bubble, Jerem. Today it is the news that reportedly Matt Bushman could be out for the season. What does this injury mean for the future of BYU football and specifically for the offense? It's really hard news to hear because Matt Bushman weighed his options, had the chance to go pro, probably could have been a uh, day three draft pick potentially, uh, probably not day two. He was going to potentially work himself into day two. He is BYU's top Playmaker, skill position player, by far. 
He's a guy that's led the team in receiving yards the last three years. He was going to be targeted a ton. He was the most improved player of fall camp midway through by Aaron Roderick. This is a massive blow to the BYU offense. It's one thing to lose quarterback, and that's you know the worst kind of injury. But uh, it, it's also bad to lose your best playmaker, a guy that in the red zone, BYU would have targeted a lot more. Remember, we've talked about BYU struggling in the red zone. Guess what? If you have one of the top five tight ends in the country, you are going to get him the ball. And uh, if Matt Bushman is out for the year, this is a massive, massive blow Ugh. to the BYU offense and their plans because he was going to be the best tight end BYU played uh, or play, you know, all year. He would be the matchup nightmare against every defense that BYU faced. He's and, always open, even if he's got a guy on him. And he helped win the Boise State game. And he is a guy that uh, you know put up six for ninety-one against Hawaii, and he, like you know nine for ninety-two against Utah, and, and a touchdown uh, two years ago. Massive blow. Can't be understated what uh, this reported injury could mean for BYU. Yeah, Honey Hands with the big season was about to show why he needed to be big money hands in the NFL. Yeah, and you have to wonder. Okay, now because he's not getting any younger and the NFL has that concern, does this mean that Matt Bushman is done at BYU? That's that, a that, possibility. That's potentially out there. Like they, he, We may have already seen Matt Bushman play his last game at BYU, which is just so unfortunate. I hate that. I hate the reality of that situation. You're exactly right. This is a free year, so in theory he could come back. Uh, he, he married Chad Lewis's daughter, Emily, and uh, Emily's pregnant with They're their first child. So maybe he comes back next year and gives it a go because I don't know that like maybe Matt is like a fifth, sixth, or seventh round pick at this point, right. um, coming off an injury. I would think he wouldn't be a top four round pick based on uh, he was probably a fringe kind of fourth round guy. I'm guessing third round, coming off an Achilles uh, if it is indeed ruptured or torn, he's got to prove himself. I'm I'm thinking uh, you know perhaps we see him next year in a BYU uniform again. That'd be great. Um, but maybe he decides to just go pro and uh, recover and get ready for the draft whenever that is. I, I don't know. But that's a great point. And if it's the last time we saw Matt Bushman play last year, he was a pretty stinking good tight end, yeah. and we didn't yeah. see the completion of it. We didn't see the senior year. We didn't see the, the zenith where he was like a 60-606 guy, where you put yourself in a Mackey semifinalist kind of spot. I thought he could have that kind of year. Again, we are waiting for the official confirmation from BYU football uh, if this is a season-ending injury. Jerem pointed out that if it is season-ending, they will tell the media. If not, maybe, I, I don't know. And when you, when you do MRIs and you go in and you have doctors give second opinions, things like that. It's either ruptured or torn or it's not. So if it's ruptured and torn, he's out for the year. Right. Yeah. If if it's what else can you do to an Achilles? I'm not like, can you strain it? Like I, I don't know. But uh, yeah, if, if this report is true, it, it's terrible news. So let's look at who replaces him. Um, There's not just one person that can replace Matt Bushman. Right. Uh, specifically at tight end. So Isaac Rex now becomes the starting tight end. This is the son of Byron, a guy who was a a really good player in the early '90s with BYU. And uh, Isaac is ready for this moment. I think this this is sooner than he wanted. None of us wanted Matt Bushman to get hurt. But Isaac Rex. Played in a couple of games last year. Didn't have a ton of targets or catches, but he is a guy that internally in the program, people are high on. A 6'6", 250 guy, redshirt freshman out of San Clemente. Uh, and he, I think, is ready for this moment. He is not Matt Bushman yet. He is not there. BYU would definitely get less from that spot 
than they were getting from Matt Bushman. But Isaac Rex is a guy. Carter Wheat is another guy out of Arizona who put up massive numbers. And uh, I believe redshirted last year as well. Yes, uh, out of Mesa. Then you have uh, Bentley Hanshaw is a guy who is young as well from Moore Park. Although there was another tight end from Moore Park. I can't remember who it was. Uh, the Tui best. Pelotu brothers, Ben and Hank. Uh, Hank was making massive waves last year in fall camp and even spring ball before that. So BYU is very young at this position. They feel like they have some ballers there. But now they go from the tight ends being a strength where you have a superstar and some young studs to just young studs. So I think the wide receivers are going to have to pick up a lot of the slack in this department. But I am excited to see what these tight ends can do. It is going to be a discovery process, however, with that group. I know some of you are saying, hey, what about Dallin Holker? He's still on his mission. Yeah, still on a mission. If Dallin Holker was off, he'd be the number one right now. Easy. It would be Isaac Rex and Dallin Holker. Yes, and you think about that position because Dallin will have one more year. Dallin's back, what, next year, I think, right? He missed last year. So Dallin Holker with Isaac Rex and Carter Weed and Bentley Hanshaw and the the Tui Pelotas. Like, I love the tight ends in the future, but right now playing Navy, it's like, all right, Isaac Rex, you're going to have to make a play in the red zone. As a redshirt freshman right now, this was a ball that would have gone to Matt yeah. Bushman. So I look at I would today, if I'm Gunnar Romney and Neil Pau and, and Dax Milne and Chris Jackson and Cody Epson, I go up to Steve Clark and I go, hey, hey, we, we got you. Like, whatever you need, as these guys figured out, we, we got it. BYU may have to use the running backs more often as well to compensate for losing somebody that has been so productive. Now, whether that's more runs or just – more throws to Lopini Katoa or Tyler Algier out of the backfield, we'll see. That's now the challenge of Jeff Grimes and Aaron Roderick to figure that out. How do you replace that production? It's Clearly, it's going to take a team, a collective team effort, headlined by, I think, the three-headed monster at wide receiver, which is Gunnar Romney, Dax Milne, and Neil Pau. And you may not replace that at all, frankly, because a tight end is a different matchup. A tight end, you might get a backer, right? So Isaac Rex is going to have to do things that he may have to block more than he was anticipating, because I think maybe he was going to come in, and maybe they had some two tight end sets where he blocks a lot, but... He, he feels the strength feels right now for Isaac that he is a flexed out receiver matchup nightmare, right? Um, so, so what do you, what do you do with that? I don't want to undersell as well the impact of Hinkley Rapati potentially yes. reportedly being out as well. Apparently, he was climbing the depth chart and challenging for that number three spot at running back, he and Jackson McChesney. If Hinkley Rapati, who's like 5'11 to 20 and a somewhat of a bruiser, was going to have an impact and he's out, that's a blow as well. And we'll talk about this later in the program, Spencer, but running backs, Devontae Henry Cole, going to be the guy maybe transfers to Utah State. Uh, Bruce Garrett leaves the team, was going to probably be a fourth or fifth string kind of guy initially, but had a future. Hinkley Ropati, running back, has lost, reportedly with Hinkley Ropati, three dudes in the last, I don't know, month and a half. So that's concerning for first-year running backs head coach Harvey Unga to deal with right now. So th- this, is, this is tough news six days out from the season opener. Right now it's Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier, and Jackson McChesney. And then, and then you, Sione Fina, you hope, gets back from the ACL. Can he get healthy? Later yeah. in the season, who knows when. I mean, that's a stretch, right? That, that's, that's, a, that's a stretch, given that he yeah. got injured so late last season and it was significant. Right. You're not going to ask uh, you know, Chase Wester uh, to, to, to most BYU fans, like, wait, who's that? He's a guy that's buried on the depth chart, trying to develop. You're not going to ask him to do a ton, right? So those, those, those three have got to... Got to carry the load right now. Uh, Jackson McChesney in a bigger position now. Now, Jeremy, at what point, because I'm just thinking about BYU's independence era and thinking about 
the attrition and the injuries, not just to players in general, but to significant players like the guys. Yeah. Think think about just the quarterbacks alone. Taysom yes. Hill four times. Mm-hmm. Tanner Mangum out with a torn ACL. Or was he an Achilles? He, he was an uh, ankle. He was an ankle. Okay. Yeah, sprained ankle. Okay. So Tanner so loses loses the season. Now now you get into Matt Bushman and the, I mean the list goes on. Well, Zane let, let's Anderson. Let's go over last year. Tyson okay. Williams ACL. Zach Wilson thumb. Sione Finau knee. Zane Anderson shoulder. Jaron Hall multiple concussions. Baylor Romney foot. Emmanuel Supa. I can't remember what his was. What point do you chalk Lee, it up to bad Hampshire. luck? So yeah, and that's the question is. Shoot, at, one, at what point do you say, okay, is there something BYU can do to prevent these? Because I believe that injuries happen to be freak to some degree, like unpreventable. But there's a certain amount, like why do you strengthen condition um, other than to be in good shape? It's to gain the muscle to prevent injury um, as much as you can. Um, so I, I think that's a, a valid and fair question today to say, can BYU prevent more of these injuries? I would think the answer is yes, and I, I believe that BYU is hopefully pursuing what they can do to prevent this in, in the moment. Can you prevent every injury? Absolutely not. No, no, no. That's silly. But can BYU do more? Sure. For the time being, obviously, uh, as much as BYU fans are crushed to not have Matt Bushman on the field, you can't help but wonder how he is feeling right now, kind of trying to to the whys, like why did this happen now? Those are always the questions that are hardest to answer. Um, and so we, you know, we send our love to Matt and, and to Emily and, uh, you know. Yeah, it's we, a bummer. We wish you a speedy recovery, my friend. Yeah, uh, Obviously you mean a lot to BYU football, and it's bigger than just a game. But, uh, man, adversity. You just Your heart breaks for a guy that's in his senior-ish season based on the 2020 COVID scenario, but we just – I'd hate to think he's, yeah, he's, we've never, we're never going to see Matt Bushman play another down in BYU. Hopefully we do. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Jason, we live in a world of on-the-go communication. <laughs> uh, and that's probably an undersell. Zoom interviews. Bluetooth calls. It's all about maintaining the social distance but staying in contact. The one-on-one interview scenario I had yesterday with BYU senior safety Troy Warner (laughs) featured all of this. Hanging out in my car, you know, after a soccer game for my four-year-old. But we do what we got to do to communicate with the people we want to hear from him. Troy Warner over Zoom. He's in the student-athlete building and on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline right now. Troy, when I say BYU at Navy in under a week, what is the first thing that goes through your mind thinking about the season opener? First thing that goes through my mind is let's get it. I'm just, I'm just excited, ready, ready to, to play some ball. And I think uh, I speak for everybody on the team. We're all excited that we get the opportunity to play. So everybody's, everybody's ready to go. What's the atmosphere like uh, within your locker room and around your teammates right now as you bear down on the season opener? Yeah, I mean, I think everybody's attitude is just, you know, it's here. And uh, this is an opportunity for us to, to seize the moment and to, uh, to you know, show, show the world that, that we've been putting in the work this offseason. And, uh, you know, we're just excited. We're, we're ready to go, like I said. So, In your opinion, what's different about this team compared to the other BYU teams that you have been a part of? Um, 
Well, I mean, I, I really think that the chemistry uh, is there, and uh, I think the uh, competitive mindset is is there as well, and the, and the love for the game. Each player on this team loves to play this game, and um, they they just want to do everything that they can to be successful this year, uh, to be winners. And so I think that's a, that's huge for a team that's going to be that's trying to be successful. So it's 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 a good feeling. Defending against Navy is not like defending against most college football teams. How are you preparing as a defense to get ready for that option attack? And then knowing a couple of weeks later after the Army game as well that you're going to have to essentially switch into the defense that you've been preparing for all offseason. Yeah, so, you know, Navy, Navy and Army are both special teams um, and, and great in their own ways, and, and they require a lot of discipline uh, on both sides of the ball. And so I think, I think the biggest thing as defensively is that we can do is just to minimize the mistakes that we have in practice, minimize the mental errors. And, um, you know, what they do as an offense is why they're so widely respected um, as, a, as a football team. And so it's, I think it's a special opportunity um, to just get out there and play ball. What's the biggest challenge that Navy's offense will present BYU? Uh, I think they can do a lot of different things, run the ball a lot of different ways. Um, they can mix it up and, and, and throw at you as well. And uh, like I said before, it requires um, a lot of discipline as a defense, each guy doing their, their 111th. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a team that, that uh, you know, um, prides, prides themselves on capitalizing on the opposing team's mistakes. And that's one thing that we can't, we can't let happen. Uh, we got to be, you know, mentally locked in and, and ready to go for them. So, I'm sure you've played through the scenario of opening up uh, a senior season quite a few times, and it, it probably included some fans. This game will not include any fans. How are you preparing for the strange emotions of it all uh, with a big-time primetime spotlight on ESPN but no actual fans in the stands? Yeah, it's, it's definitely weird to think about, um, but – you know, like you said, the fact that it's a primetime game on a Monday night, uh, I, don't, I don't get it confused. There's going to be a ton of people watching this game, and uh, the spotlight is, is going to be there. And so more of a reason for us as a, as a team to, to really, just, really just lock in and, and, and get the job done, you know, and practice, prepare, ourse- prepare ourselves the right way so that we can come, come in Monday night ready, ready to play and uh, – you know, as prepared as we can be. Obviously, tough news finding out about your teammate and an All-American candidate, Matt Bushman, going down for the season uh, with a ruptured Achilles. You, of all people, can understand how frustrating this can be. So what is your message to Matt, and what's your message to the team about pushing through? Yeah, uh, you know, I got, this, I got asked this question a little while ago. I, it makes me emotional just thinking about it, talking about it, because Matt's one of the best players and people that I've ever met. Um, and I, for him to be going through this uh, during his senior year is just—it's really—it's really unfortunate. And and I feel for him, uh, you know, having gone through a major injury. Um, I, I, It's—I'm trying to do everything that that I can to uh, be there for him. You know, be there for what anything that he might need. Uh, he's in my prayers, and and the rest of rest of the team has his back as well. Um, you know, as, as what, what that means for the rest of the team next, it's, it's next guy up. Um, other players need to step up and, and, uh, 
and, and do their do their job. And uh, that's that's all you can ask for as as a teammate is is for guys to just step up and and make plays. You've defended against Isaac Rex, who is uh, the heir apparent to Matt Bushman. What do you know about Isaac Rex as a tight end? Uh, very, a very talented player. Um, I see a lot of similarities between him and Matt. Uh, a guy with a guy with exceptional hands and uh, a good feel for running routes. And uh, I think he, I think he's going to be huge for us this year. Uh, he's one of those guys that just that just needs to step up, play with confidence, and uh, know that he's that he's fully capable of doing the job. Troy, we'll finish with this. Uh, this has been a long-anticipated offseason for you, and, and you have made it very clear that you want to have a big-time season. Why do you feel like this is the season for you to show what type of college football player you really are? Yeah, so, I mean, like you said, this is my senior year, and, and back's up, back is up against the wall right now, and I want to show that I thrive off of it, that I thrive off of uh, – off of the little bit of that stress that that might that might be go, I might be going through, um, that it doesn't even phase me. Um, I, I I just want to be great this year, and that's the only thing that's going through my head twenty four seven is is just to be legendary, have a legendary season, and you know just be just to exude confidence every snap, every game, and uh, I'm just excited excited to uh, be playing this year and to help my team win games and be successful. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do anything I can to make that happen. Hey, it's nice to have the other Warner brother on Monday Night Football for a change, right? Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> You've earned yes, that. You've earned that spotlight. Uh, let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma as we wrap up. So excited for you. I literally had to pull over my car because I'm so ready for football to talk to you, man. So uh, enjoy the karma. Uh, stay in good health, and we'll see you in Annapolis. Thank you very much. Troy Warner on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline via Zoom. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I'm going to be honest with you. I kind of liked the interview in the car. We could start that. That could be like your thing. <laughs> Everybody needs to have a thing. Interviews in the car. Oh, yeah, like car chat. Car chat with Spencer. Yeah, no driving while this is No, happening. no, 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 no. There'll be no or, driving, yes. but I, I kind of liked that. Okay. I've seen the interview where the, the person being interviewed was in a car. I've seen that on SportsCenter several right, times. Right. I've never seen the host <laughs> be in the car. I like it. It's a nice look. Now, the thing is, it, it is convenient. <laughs> yes, Zoom, it you is. can you can do it wherever you can get a connection. <laughs> so it uh, might not have the greatest optics of a studio, but, hey, if you, if you pass on it, and our producers pass on it. <laughs> maybe it's a thing, Jason. Okay. Well, I'm just saying. Maybe it could start to. We could build around car chats with Spencer. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm throwing it out there. Okay. And if we use that, I need royalty. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. BYU will fly out on Sunday morning. That was revealed by Kalani Satake and uh, then play on Monday night. They will do so with the starting quarterback, Zach Wilson, who kicks off our deep blue features in the fall of 2020. 
He's been through a lot in his two-ish seasons as a Cougar. The heralded high school star out of Corner Canyon thrust into a starting role as a freshman. Jason, who can forget the perfect 18-for-18 performance in the bowl game in Idaho, followed by off-season shoulder surgery, dramatic wins to Tennessee and USC. I'm telling you, the kid's been through a lot. And then the broken thumb scenario at Toledo, trying to rush back, sputtered finish, lost in the bowl game, highs and lows. The spotlight has been bright on Zach Wilson, and it's a lot to handle. He's here to explain what that scenario is like. Deep Blue with Zach Wilson, presented by Tim Daly Ford. Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. BYU quarterback Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson. Might not be their best option. Well, I think Zach Wilson being out is a real problem. Zach didn't look the same tonight. Couldn't really get a good grip on the ball. How does this impact BYU spring football? I signed up for it, you know, coming into college football. I knew that everyone's going to have an opinion. Everyone's going to, you know, say something about you. He's had his fair share when it comes to people doubting him and also when overcoming some injuries. And I know he gets criticized and stuff a lot for whatever mistake he makes. But And I know the quarterback is, the you know, the high-profile position, but I, I promise you there's there's not a kid that takes it harder than he does. And I just don't know if they realize with the sacrifices that these boys make, you know, really just just for their, their team, for their school, for their coaches, for their fans, just to make them proud. Win or lose, they're still doing it for them. Trips left, twins right, empty, quarterback long, Wilson 15, 10, Wilson on his feet, 5, on his feet, touchdown! Happiness for me was was being able to play in front of my family. You know, there's nothing better than, you know, I come out of the tunnel after the game and, you know, there's my uncles and my aunts and my brothers and sisters and the whole family just came out to support. And I, th- I think that just means a lot to me. You know, that's happiness knowing I have, you know, people always behind me. So do you remember your first game? I don't. You had just turned eight. And it was our first scrimmage game. Well, I guess it was like a real game. It's full refs, everything against Murray. And I think that game you had, I think you ran two touchdowns in and you had a pick six. You remember that? You don't remember that? And I was yelling at you because he jogged the pick six in. Oh, yeah, I remember that part. I'm like, he jogged it. I think you took it like 50 yards. I know you got to remember that one. Every single game, they break it down. They go over every single play. I mean, every single play. You know, what he did different, what he should have done, what he did well but could have been better. And then he, he actually does a little bit of amending, you know, like, but I still love you, son. I knew what it took for him to be good, and I think he, he realized it later in life. Probably his, I think probably took to his junior, senior year for him to finally realize uh, how much work he had to put into achieve his goals and his dreams so so I was hard on him and I push him and I've coached all my boys the same way he says you know my parents pushed me so hard and I missed out on a lot and then all of a sudden one day I was just like I love this like this is my thing you know and if you don't push them to that point of the takeoff some of them will never find it they'll never realize what their gift was During the quarantine, me and my brothers first first started uh, working on the Jeep together. We, we, we didn't know how long spring ball was going to be canceled for. I think it just kind of brought us together. I mean, we were literally, I think, every single day, we'd come out and we'd sit there until 12 o'clock at night just sanding 
We wake up, blow it off, and we're like, crap, that part's not good enough because we want it to be perfect. So we sand the little cracks and stuff, and I think we all just kind of got closer doing it. There was nothing more satisfying than, than leaving that paint shop at the end of the day, and it was, it was finished. And it was like, hey, we did this, and it's super cool. Like, not many people can say that they painted a car, you know, off of YouTube videos, having no idea what they're doing. I would say when you're not playing football, it's definitely, it's definitely cool to have something on the side that, you know, keeps you entertained, gives you a little relief from football, and it gives you something to you know, kind of explore what you like in life besides, besides football, right? You can't pour all your eggs in one basket, and, you know, you're going to get sick of it quick, so... Uh, it was nice to be able to, to do something as a family and just take a little break from football for a couple of weeks. And once we finished up that, it was a really good opportunity for me to go out to California and, and train with uh, John Beck and 3DQB, the guys that I work with out there. So we got to weekends where, you know, football would end around 1 on Fridays and I would hop in the car and I would drive 10 hours to California by myself. And um, I would train with John Beck Saturday morning from you know, 8 to 11 or whatever it is, hang out Saturday night. And then Sunday morning, it was pretty much the same thing. About 8 to 11, I'd take off and come back home. You got the stones, the jar, and the sand. And if someone tries to put the sand in first, there's not room for all the stones. And when you put the stones in first, then you can put the sand in and they all fit. You know, when I look at Zach, I see Zach as the guy that he knows the value of those stones. He makes sure he's getting all of them in. I think he's even the guy that's like, can I fit this stone into? He demands a lot of respect for the things that he does off the field, puts a lot of time into the game and into his craft and then studies a lot of football. And I just wanted to go out there and have fun. Right before Zach went to BYU, one time he said to me, you know that song, Humble and Kind? He said, Mom, just always remind me. Just always remind me of this song. To be humble and kind, always. Deep Blue on Zach Wilson, presented by America First Credit Union. We are here to help. Like I mentioned, it has been a roller coaster ride, and it's interesting and always enlightening to hear from not just Zach but his family about what the emotions of all that are really like. Yeah, and I just don't think people realize how much goes into – it's not just practice you know, with the team, and then you show up for the games. It, it is so much more than just that. It is years of dedication to your craft, and it's countless hours once practice is done working on things. And you, you heard, um, you know, his mom talking about after games that Zach and his dad will go over every play, each play individually. What could I have done better here? Like the amount of dedication that it takes to be good at this is I, I don't think people understand how much it takes. Yeah, for lack of a better phrase, Zach is very much a football junkie. Like he can't oh, get yes. enough of the game, of the nuances. If you have a conversation with him about his pre-snap reads and <laughs> everything that's going on, it is unbelievable. It's very entertaining to talk to him about what's going through his mind because he will to the detail, walk you through every little process and step that's going through his mind. He's an incredibly intelligent kid. Yep. And uh, the, the challenge for him this year is to take that athleticism, all that study, all that preparation, and now a healthy shoulder and make it into a special Yeah, I'm, I am very excited, to say the least, to see what he can do this year uh, running this offense. Uh, once And again, starts on Monday. Look forward to more deep, wait. deep blue features as well. Kind of, those are so well done. 
Okay, Jerem, let's play Know the Foe, not Know the Foal. Very different segment. Know the Foe, a Navy edition let's presented go. by Tim Daly Ford. Hey. Part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. This is the first time we've done this in like six Woo! or seven months, maybe eight or nine. I don't know. All right. Go. Um, don't we need somebody else involved in this? Okay, we, we haven't heard from Ben Bagley in a minute. Ben, uh, are you are you there? The are it's you still... good to be back. Yeah! Hey! Just not on camera. camera. Just social distance. Okay, okay. By the way, before we start, uh, Spencer, you're going to go first to know the foe. This okay. was decided by a coin flip taking place in the break. Okay. Officiated by the security firm, firm of Dewey, Cheatham, and Howe. So okay. it was very official. Very good. All right, Spencer. Dewey, Cheatham. Number one, true or false? Navy is the only service academy to have an alum in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Oh, man. So do Air Force and Army. True. It's Roger Staubach. Yes. Air Force it is and Army true. don't have one? No. Interesting. And Navy has two, not just Roger Staubach, but Ed Sprinkle. Oh, Ed Sprinkle, yeah. He Who can forget about Ed? Oh, man, Ed. So Sprinkle. spry. All right, Jerem. You're... You, Early, early, early trailing here. I'm this used, one, you got this one. I'm used to trailing in life. <laughs> Is Annapolis, Maryland located closer to Washington, D.C. or Baltimore? Oh, jeez. I got a 50-50. I'm going to phone a friend here. Spencer? <laughs> I know this answer. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, let's go, uh, let's go uh, Baltimore. It is Baltimore yep. by five miles. The Wire. All right, Spencer, the Navy fight song is titled Anchors Away. Spell Away. <laughs> it's it's titled Anchors Away. Anchors Away is the Spell name of the Navy fight song. Spell Away. Oh boy. Uh, <laughs> okay, A N C H O R S. No, not anchors. I want the other second part. Away. Okay, A W E I G H. Correct. Oh! Wow. <laughs> From deep. Wow. wow. What'd you say? A W. E-I-G-H. E-I-G-H? Anchors away. Wow, they don't even know how to spell? <laughs> All right. Jerem. Just kidding. It's with just... a 9-0-1 record in 1926, the Navy midshipmen yeah, yeah. shared the national title mm-hmm. with two other tradition teams, tra- their traditional college football powerhouses. Name one of them. Oh, yeah. With, um, yeah, it was, uh, I think it was Yale and uh, Princeton. No. That's <laughs> right. It was, it was Bama and Stanford. <laughs> Alabama and Stanford played to a 7-7 tie in the Rose Sorry. Bowl, giving all three teams Sorry, no you just said Stanford's a traditional powerhouse? That's the, the funniest thing I've ever heard. In the more, 20s, more they so were? than Yell. Yeah. Hey, hey, you, don't you dare respect Ivy League football. They won all the natties early. All right, Spencer. Okay. What, what former Utah State head football coach left the Aggies to take the helm of Navy? Oh, that's interesting. Charlie Weatherby. Correct. Yale football has 18 national championships, Ben. Oh, do they? 18. That's nice. <laughs> hey, Jerem, Navy has the same ma- has had the same mascot since 19 or 1893. Their mascot is a goat. Yes. What is the goat's name? Oh gosh. <laughs> uh, Fred. Nope. It's, oh. it's it's Bill the goat. Bill the goat. <laughs> Will, Willie the goat. Bill, 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 oh, Bill the yeah, goat. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that. All right, Spencer. NCIS is the fourth longest current TV program, and it is set in Annapolis, but it's not an original series. It's a spinoff of a different series. What series is it a spinoff of? Oh. We got to wrap this up. I have no idea. Jag, you're on. Jag. Nice, Last one, Jerem. 
Navy Academy, if they produce more presidents, United States are astronauts that's walked on the moon. Astronauts. Correct. Four of the 12 astronauts have walked on the moon came oh, from the Navy that's Academy. that's awesome, dude. That's awesome. Spencer wins. Yeah! A-W-E-I-G-H. Good job. I want to get the rise of Chuck. Okay, good. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Ram presented by Visible Supply Chain Management tackling America's most challenging shipping problems. Offensive coordinator Jeff Grimes told the media he will be on the sidelines during the Navy game with Aaron Roderick and Steve Clark in the box. What do the positions of the coaches on game day mean? That BYU has continuity there, Jaron. This is what BYU was doing late last season, and it worked well for the most part. So I like that Jeff Grimes is on the sideline. I like that he's specifically going to be engaged with the position group he is strongest in coaching, the offensive line. Yeah, he, he is an amazing offensive line coach, and he's done it at a national championship level with Auburn. He did it with LSU, who is really good. He did it with uh, you know Colorado, and there have been other schools, namely BYU, and they were good. I don't really care who calls the plays if it's going well, right? Uh, whether that's Aaron Roderick in the box with run game coordination from Jeff Grimes or whatever. Just if BYU's clicking on offense, it's all good. Baby. And I asked Aaron Roderick how the relationship is with Jeff Grimes right now, and he says it's never been better. The trust has never been higher. Oh, I think the cohesion's really good among that staff. Let's go. All right, Jaron, BYU basketball head coach Mark Pope told you last night on Instagram Live that he's been contacted by a promoter about a possible college hoops bubble featuring the top 20 to 30 teams from last season. Would a college basketball bubble be something you'd get excited for? Oh, yeah. Mark uh, mentioned this may be, if that happened, that might be the best non-conference schedule BYU's ever played because all the games would be uh, quad one types, right? Well, yes. The, if they're all top 50? Neutral site, top 50 teams. Yes. So then BYU's resume could be really good. And if you, let's say BYU played like eight games there and they split those four. Oh, man, that'd be amazing. I'm all for whatever allows the NCAA tournament to happen. Just if it takes a bubble to get to that point so that $900 million or a billion dollars can happen and we can start to replenish some of these athletic programs that are in dire need of financial help, yes. Just get to the tournament. If it's a bubble, great. And think about there are hundreds of schools that don't have football to help them offset the cost, right, or their FCS only. Yeah. That's important. Name Like Gonzaga, for example. On this day in BYU football history, the Cougars beat Notre Dame and quarterback Brady Quinn. Now I'm done. 20-17 to at Lavelle Edwards Stadium in 2004. Todd Watkins, 115 yards, receiving Fahu Tahi Austin Kali as a freshman. Touchdown, baby. Nice grab. That was the beginning of a beautiful relationship. Matt Payne hit a 53-yarder, 44-yarder. Brady Papinga, seven tackles, a sack, a forced fumble, and three quarterback hurries. So regarding Notre Dame, when will BYU and the Fighting Irish play again? Jerem, I think it's going to be 2031. I don't. I have no idea. It might be a decade before this game actually happens. What? What do we think we know more? When this game will happen, or the second coming? Because these are discussions that happen often among our fan base. One, the Notre Dame game, and then you know every year it's like, hey, we getting closer to uh, the rapture here. The rapture for BYU football would be an invite to a Power 5 league, but it'd also be, oh, we actually played that Notre Dame game at home. They actually returned it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not kidding. I, when I say, like, 
a five to twelve year time frame. Like it, it BYU is obviously ready to just wait it out because South Florida signed up for multiple games this year with yep. Notre Dame. So it's like, wait a minute, you can't return the one game. BYU's playing it cool. Tom Homo in that independent room. They're all holding their drinks, and Tom's just like, well, it's all good. Hey, We're we'll, no we'll be here when you're uh, yeah. feeling ready. When it's convenient for you, we'll be here. And Tom's drink is clearly Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah, 2031. Mark it down. Last night, current NFL running back Frank Gore watched his son, Frank Gore Jr., carry the ball 12 times for 32 yards in his debut with Southern Miss. <laughs> Frank Gore Sr. is still playing in the NFL Incredible. with the New York Jets. Wild. Which BYU player do you think could see their offspring play at BYU while they're still in the pros? Let's walk through this. Frank Gore is 37. His kid's 18. Uh, so he had a kid at 19. That'd be a rare thing for a BYU student, generally speaking, right? Um, so I'm guessing it isn't likely. And also the fact that Frank Gore has is in the NFL for his 17th year as a non-kicker is unbelievable. It ain't going to happen ever with a BYU player. Yeah, it would probably have to be like a baseball player or a basketball player. So I, I, the one person that came to mind was, uh, maybe Brandon Davies has an offspring playing something at BYU while he's still playing European basketball in his late 30s. I don't know. I don't know. Because yeah. he had a baby relatively young, but I mean, it's not going yeah. to be, be Taysom yeah. Hill. It's not going to be. A lot of drama around what you're saying. Not going to be the Kafusis, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know we were going there. Okay. <laughs> the best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. A season opener with special ramifications. BYU and Navy will play for the third time ever on Monday night, but will do so as the headline game of the FBS college football kickoff weekend. We anticipate maybe the largest audience to ever yeah. watch any yes. BYU game. I expect that. It's a massive opportunity in a massive spotlight and just may have a massive impact on how BYU ultimately defines the 2020 season. Jerem, do BYU's chances at a special season hinge on beating Navy? All right, uh, dramatic question. Let's break it down. Uh, what is special, right? Uh, so I did some research this morning. Uh, I typically do. Zero or one losses in a season. BYU history. This will be the 96th season, by the way. Okay. In history. So 95 seasons total. Five of those have happened. Zero or one. So that'd be special. Zero or one losses, right? Uh, two losses. That's only happened seven times. So 12 out of the uh, 95. So I, okay, but let's think about it. With this schedule, there's no power fives. There's a couple of good teams, Navy and we think Houston, maybe Western Kentucky. Western Sneaky. Kentucky, according to the S&P Are, Plus, the toughest team on the schedule. Really? S&P yes. Plus said that? Yes. Wow. Did you start, talk about that yesterday? I missed we, that. It's all good. Sorry. Um, that's interesting. Okay. With the, it, I think it's undefeated or bust because you're playing fewer games. You're not playing Power Fives. You only have two road games right now. I, I think the only way this could be special competitively is if you run the table. I think one loss doesn't hold a candle to 
96, 83, 80, or 79. No way, right? Or even the two lost seasons. Think about how good those were. 66, first WAC championship, Virgil Carter, Phil Odell, those guys. 77, 81, 01, 06, 07, 09. You think about those teams in a special situation. Like, like two losses, debatable whether that's special. I would argue that one or zero is very, like, that's awesome. So I, I'm not sure on this one because I'm thinking seven and one isn't going to fit with those teams. Um, I, I think it's undefeated or bust in terms of whether it's, quote, special or not. It is special generally because BYU is playing. Listen, Utah State today is, is thinking about how they're not playing Washington State today. Utah is thinking about how they're not playing BYU. So I think it's special that BYU is playing at all, but I think it really uh, depends on BYU's ability to go undefeated. And why would we think, by the way, that suddenly BYU is just going to go undefeated? I think that's a little bit crazy, given that BYU is gone four, seven, and seven wins last three years. Oh, because the schedule's easier. Da, da, da. Going undefeated is really hard, even for really good teams. Ask everybody but the 84 team. Ask how 2001 hard it is. when okay? they had an easy schedule and started 12-0 and 0, but finished 12-2. Right. Injuries, ineptitude, inconsistency, the three eyes happened. So I, I think it's uh, to be, quote, special. It's special generally just to play. This is special in COVID, in a, in a pandemic. Uh, eight, the schedule got blown up. It's special what Tom Homel did with schedule, just to get eight. Um, six home, two road. But I think specifically, competitively, it's undefeated or bust in that regard. Yeah, there are special elements already in play just because BYU is the Lone Ranger out west of Texas playing college football, and they have a special spotlight for the opening few weeks, which is awesome. But to have a special season, to me, it depends on how many games BYU ultimately plays, Jerem. If they only play eight, seven and one is Probably not enough to push it into the special category. But if you add a game, a bowl game, and they play up to 10 and then go 9-1, and one, then, then we're kind of getting into that territory. Perhaps. It, because who will BYU have beaten where we go, hey, that, like in every one of those special seasons, you have certain memories from those years, right, that you could pull out quickly. Listen, 79, 80, 83, 96, 84. There are multiple moments, sure. games, finishes, people that matter. Maybe it's a bowl game. Maybe it's the bowl game, Jerem. Perhaps. But I don't think that we can throw that in, especially without playing a Power 5, unless somehow BYU gets one on there. And even if they do, it was only one, right? Um, like, if we walk through those... Ask Boise State about that. But yeah. Well, it's a different model. It's a different model. They play, yeah, like the one or two... And they win, and they go, sweet. Special like, seasons. Like, 84, we don't highlight, uh, you know, how well we do on the show. We highlight, like, well, look how bad they were. Like, that helped the cause. Pitt goes 3-7-1, and one, and Michigan 6-6 six and six at the end of the season. Um, they were both top five teams at some point in the year. Uh, but, yeah, listen, I'm so happy BYU's playing at all. And if they can win the majority of those games, great. Uh, I, I'm just, I'm happy we're playing. But now that we are playing, it's not enough. Now it's time to go win. And a 6-2 and two is the minimum for these eight games. I would be disappointed in anything less than that. Okay, and I think that's fair given what BYU will face as a collective schedule. And 6-8 of eight at home, by the way. Like, you got to win Sure, six The way it's set up right now. Of the eight total. Yeah. 7-1 yeah. and one sounds amazing, right? Sounds great. Oh, 7-1. Yeah, absolutely. So if BYU loses the season opener against Navy... So, so back to the question, yes, which you asked, which like, is, does special uh, hinge on that? The, is, the is answer is one, yes. Is seven and one special? Is seven and one special? <sighs> Not with this schedule. No, 
Um, because there's what kind of two respectable opponents in terms of that's the kind of equal to or better. Well, how do you Na- view probably, Troy and Western Kentucky Na- uh, uh, as winnable games at home? Right. Um, yeah, where BYU is favored and is expected to or win. Army on the road. Like Ar- is that is that a are Army, Houston, and Navy are those the three most potentially respectable wins? I, I put. I put Navy and Army has a brand, right? And it's on the road, right? They were five and eight, and who knows how much better they'll be, or if but they'll be good better the at all. Two years before that, right? Right. Um, yeah, I, I go Navy and Houston as like the two big games on the schedule, right? So yeah, push the reset button on this. You you wake up and you know, um, and this was the schedule BYU was going to have. You're thinking six and two or better, right? Um, I, I I just think because BYU is not playing a Power Five and six of the eight are, are at home, this sets up to be really good. Sure. So I expect uh, BYU to be good. But special when I look at those seasons, these don't hold a candle because of fewer games and fewer good teams. I'm not going to put whether or not this season is special solely on the opening game because we don't know how many games will follow after that. There I are will too many though. Unknowns. I will because I'm undefeated or bust in the special category. Right. Okay. Listen, for you, for you it it's undefeated. It doesn't have to be special for me to be happy. Right. If you are looking for special every year, you will be unhappy every year with BYU football and the way that BYU schedules. It's they, just been 24 years since BYU had a one-loss team. Right. I will take six and two happily. In fact, five and three, I'll be like, shoot, one game got away. And it was crazy. And maybe it's a 62-60 game with Western Kentucky yeah, at home yeah. or something. I can't, in good conscience, put it all on one game. I know that is a massive opportunity for BYU and Annapolis to beat Navy. One of the two good games, though. It would absolutely launch the narrative of something potentially special if the Cougars ran the table and then got into a – if they were 8-0 going into a bowl game, holy cow, that would be amazing. 8-0, you've got a shot at a New Year's Six. you got a shot. doesn't mean you're in for sure, but you got a good shot. But if BYU loses the opener – Sorry, I said that without the goggles. My bad. To brand anything (laughs) even in the realm of special – My bad. The Cougars would probably have to win out to go seven and one, and then get into a bowl game and try and go to eight and one. If they add a few more games, great. Nine yeah. and one, ten and one. I mean, Blaine and, Fowler and, said on this on this show, he expects BYU to only lose one game, no matter how many they play. He expects them to lose one game, which is crazy, alert. right? Yeah, yeah they're, they're, look at the schedule and tell me how BYU is not going to win at least six there. And, and then we had our, we've had our discussion the last three years. BYU is eleven and twelve against Group Five and in Indy. Why do we think suddenly? BYU's just going to, poof, be better than that. Easier opponents, the way that the schedule is spread out. South Florida out. fits in perfectly with some of these types of teams, Ma- Majority though. at home. Oh, I know. My Tal- group of you know five what I mean? anxiety index yeah. is peaking with Western right. Kentucky. If you can't go at least 6-2 and two in this, then what the heck are we doing? Because BYU's hardly ever going to win eight-plus games then. This is the year for BYU to go, look, we're better than what we've been against group of five teams. Power fives is still a thing that's going to be 40% on average, right? So if you, that's why I say schedule three, because then you're one and two at worst. You're two and one most of the time. And on a good year where all three P5s aren't that good, you're probably three and oh. That's what BYU did in 2014. They played three power fives. Two of them weren't good. They had losing records, Virginia and Cal. Yeah. Texas was good. They were eight and five. That was a oh. great win. That's one of the better wins in Independence, right? That was, and that's a team in, in 2014 with Taysom Hill and Jamal Williams and a bunch of talent uh, on both sides of the ball that was capable of doing something really special. That could have been a one-loss or zero-loss team, but one of the three eyes happened, the injuries. Okay, so for you, 
win them all. Win them all, baby. For me, if you lose, you probably got to win the rest to even be in position oh. to smell something yeah. special. Yes, and if the if the season's super weird and some, somehow BYU sneaks into some amazing bowl game and has some dramatic win, like I'm with you. There are criteria available to slide them in somehow. It could change. Maybe, yes. Hard to just rule them out, obviously. <laughs> but like, I think undefeated is the likely only way to do that. I'm having vivid memories of the last time BYU had a special season in 1996 when I was mm-hmm. bragging in Mrs. Hamblin's geometry class Hi, at Hamlin. Sunset Junior High to all of the BYU haters around me and my girlfriend at the time, Holly Henderson. Hi, Holly. I apologize for all, 12, the, all the BYU talking <laughs> at Junior High. Actually, I'm not sorry. No, you don't. I'm not sorry. No, you don't. Davis, it was a special season. Atta- People needed to know about you it. you got to attack Davis County with Cougardom. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go. Too many Utes. A little over 72 hours until BYU takes the field against Navy in Annapolis. I can't even believe I'm saying this. Yet here we are, the Cougars set to open their season on ESPN National Television against a very aggressive and well-coached Naval Academy team. Jerem, Navy likes to take care of the ball. They like to hold on to the ball. BYU wants to have a fast-paced, high-scoring offense. Which side of the ball for BYU football on Monday, Labor Day, will have the greatest impact on BYU's potential result this Monday? Uh, they will have a result, and hopefully it's a win, right? Uh, it's BYU's defense because Navy is uh, a unique offense. And if BYU cannot slow down Navy, I don't think the Cougars win this game. I could see an argument for, hey, they outscore them. Da, da, da. BYU struggled in season openers. That's been a thing. Now, Navy, again, Malcolm Perry's gone. 2,000-yard rusher, incredible quarterback, leader. He's gone. This was the nation's top rushing offense by 62 yards last year. He had a big deal to do with that, right? But they do what they do. Eighth in time of possession, first in rushing yards, again, by 62 yards over Air Force and Army, by the way. Tenth in yards per play, tenth in offensive ratings. This is not going to be that same offensive juggernaut. I still think they'll have a quality rushing attack, of course. Dalen Morris hasn't thrown a pass, and he's only rushed five times in his career. He's a starting quarterback, but they were awesome on offense. They were awesome as a team. They lost two games. It was to Memphis and Notre Dame, who were both in the top 17, and Navy itself was 20th. So I think it's dependent on the BYU defense that was last year 62nd in rush defense in yards per carry, 48th in scoring, 109th in tackles for loss. This defense has got to be better. But the good news is BYU has a really, really good core of its rushing defense back. BYU did lose some capable playmakers on the back end, but uh, return a Troy Warner and a Zane Anderson and a Chris Wilcox and a dot, 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 all those linebackers, the defensive line. I think the BYU defense, especially the front seven, and frankly, it might be like a front nine, right, in this game, needs to bring it for BYU to be able to win this game. This is so tough to answer because both sides will play such a critical role, specifically against a team like Navy, because they are so unique. BYU's offense is going to have minimal opportunities, you would think, if Navy is able to hold on to the ball like they want to. So you've got to capitalize on those minimal opportunities with Zach Wilson and that BYU offensive attack. So for me, it's leaning towards the offense. Jeremy, I feel like BYU has got to hit that Bronco Mendenhall mark of 24 points to beat Navy, to feel comfortable about winning this first game. And in the Kalani Satake era in season openers, 
it's not been really close to that 24 mark, which brings us to our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. In four season openers under Kalani Satake, BYU has averaged 19.5 points per game in those first games of the season. 19.5. What is the defense average uh, giving up? Because that's important, too, in this conversation. Because what do we think What do we is actually going to happen on Monday? I, I think it's a game in the 20s. I, I think that uh, BYU has been competing and practicing since June. You hope the offense is in a good spot. Without Matt Bushman, there is a massive gap there that needs to be filled, and sometimes that takes a sec to figure out. Zach Wilson is going to still throw passes to someone who's going to catch it. It just won't be Matt Bushman, right? That No Matt Bushman does not mean fewer pass attempts, per se. Um, although, depending on certain situations, maybe they would have gone to Matt uh, and tried to find him in this situation, but they go with a run. Who knows? I'm interested to see if the BYU offense can mitigate anything that the, the Navy offense is doing. Fewer possessions is a thing that will happen because Navy is not going to throw the ball a lot, and then the, and then the clock stops. There's less time in the game for BYU to possess the ball. That means one, two fewer possessions, so BYU does need to score more often. Jake Oldroyd needs to make long field goals. BYU needs to be better in the red zone, as we've chronicled throughout the fall. Yeah. And, and again, it, that's another reason why I lean towards the offense. You've got to capitalize where they haven't in the recent past. Right. And, and Navy typically is uh, not going to throw a pick, right? Because they're just not going to throw. So what did BYU do so well last year for a long time was drop eight and pick off the ball. This is a unique setup. Going on the road, having a travel disadvantage, uh, great opportunity, no crowd, unique defense. This is a challenge, as Jeff Grime mentioned, but I think BYU is super capable. Like, I expect BYU to go in and compete well. And I expect BYU to win a close game at Navy. I just did some rough math in my mind because you presented the question. Your math is never rough. It's very fine. Hey, you it's presented like the question sand. of how many points per game is BYU's defense giving up in the four season openers. Yeah. In 16, BYU gave up 16 points to Arizona. Mm-hmm. They gave up six to yep. Portland State in 2017, which is 22. They gave up 23, 23 to Arizona. Yep. And they gave up well, 30 to Utah. Sorry, so that's a total 30. of 75 yep. divided by four. Takes you to just under 19 points a game, 18.75 points per game. So it's like game. 20 to 19. So the score is 19.5 to 18.75. That's not even possible. That's not, that's not even a thing. Uh, yeah, it's BYU, like a 20 to 19 BYU's game. BYU's got to cross the, you would think, the 20 point, if not get to the 24 point mark to feel comfortable about winning at, at Navy. And with limited opportunities, man, they've got to really be effective in the red zone. If BYU's offense doesn't come out strong here, again, Matt Bushman's out. That throws a wrinkle into this. And, and it's the third year of Zach Wilson. It's the third year of Jeff Grimes and this offensive staff. BYU didn't lose a, an offensive coach, right? Um, they better come out fast. I know that they've dealt with some running back personnel issues. but And Matt Bushman's out. Those are certainly challenges. But what was the point of volunteer practice from June on if you can't mesh and do it right now. I, I think I expect the BYU team to get to 24-plus. They have the same OC and the same quarterback and the same O-line, which we think has, well, PFF thinks, actually, the two of the top 20. They should come out and be able to score 24-plus in this game. This Navy defense is definitely solid. My question is not about the BYU offense. It's about the BYU defense being able to be disciplined and not give up long runs due to a unique scheme against Navy's offense.
Can they get Navy's offense off the field on third and short scenarios? Navy thrives off capitalizing right. on third and fours, third and threes, third and twos. They, they make a For, killing. Or it's a third and six where they maybe feel like they have to throw it, and then that's just abstract area, right, for Navy at times. They only threw the ball about eight times a game. Like this is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. It has been reported by at least two sources that BYU All-America candidate tight end Matt Bushman is out for the season with a torn or ruptured Achilles. We are waiting for the official confirmation from BYU football on that matter. Even if he misses a few games, it's just absolutely devastating to BYU, let alone all of them in 2020. And reportedly, Hinkley Ropati, who was battling for the third running back spot, uh, could have a season-ending knee injury as well. So, uh, bad news on a Tuesday morning. So before we found out about this injury news, I had the opportunity to speak with one of the major offensive linemen on this BYU O-line, Tristan Hodge, one-on-one BYU Sports Nation All-Access. What does he think about the offensive line being the deepest position group, and is he buying into that type of hype? We discuss that and much more. BYU Sports Nation All-Access, Tristan Hodge. Tristan, what's the first thing that comes to mind when I say Monday night football versus Navy? The first thing that usually comes to mind would be NFL, but you know what? This year is BYU versus Navy. You got the A team of Reese Davis and Kirk Herbstreit set to call that game. No fans in the stadium. What kind of atmosphere are you anticipating? Um, uh, I mean, like everybody's been saying, it'll be kind of like a scrimmage. I mean, at the end of the day, when I go out on the field, it's just me and my boys. I kind of block out the fans, but it's definitely going to be a surreal to walk out there with nobody in the stadium. So it'll be interesting. I mean, I'm excited. Where will the energy come from on the BYU sideline with no fans? You know what? It's got to come from us. And uh, number one, it's going to come from the offensive line. We're the juice crew. We're going to have all that juice. And if people need it, we got it. Okay. Let's start with, uh, or let's go to the offensive line, rather. The first BYU depth chart was released today. You are listed as the starting right guard on an offensive line that, let's face it, has received a lot of positivity and uh, notoriety. Are you buying the hype for this BYU offensive line? You know what? We haven't done a single thing in 2020 yet, so I uh, can't, can't take the poison right now. But you know what? There's a lot of great guys on this offensive line, a lot of experience, um, and we've been doing great this camp. We're, we're ready to show off for BYU fans come Monday. Who's the offensive lineman that deserves more credit or more publicity? You know what? I say my boy Clark Barrington. He's, he's worked incredibly hard this offseason. I've seen all the work he's put in. And you know what? And that, that being said, he always is, comes to work every day with his blue collar and his lunch pail, and he puts his nose to the grindstone and just comes to work. So uh, definitely that guy right there. It's nice to see so much experience on the offensive line and the depth for sure among uh, across most all positions. Uh, that said, Tristan, Football is a game of bumps and bruises. So how's, how's your health right now at this point in fall camp? I feel great. Um, I've, I've told a lot of people, you know, quarantine was kind of a little uh, – it was a nice little blessing. Uh, I got to heal up a little more. But, you know, through this fall camp, yeah, bumps and bruises happen. But you know what? I feel great. We're with Tristan Hodge on BYU Sports Nation Zoom interview as the Cougars prepare for Navy and Monday night football. 
when you look at what your coaches uh, are implementing in terms of traveling protocols, you're going to fly out Sunday morning. That was revealed by Kalani Sitake. How will the traveling uh, tradition change or stay the same for you as the team this year? Um, you know, it's going to be different. I mean, we're all going to have to wear masks, so that's definitely the biggest difference. Um, as of yet, I mean, I couldn't say how our differences are going to be. I mean, I feel like it'll be the same for the most part. Um, I mean, of course, you have to maintain social distancing, but I feel like on the buses and stuff like that, we do that anyway. Um, uh, so, yeah, I, I feel like it won't change too much. Speaking of masks, are you going with something like you have around your neck right now, or does that change by the day, like part of your outfit? Um, you know what, I, this right here is kind of my staple right now. Um, uh, Coach Mateo supplied the whole line with these uh, interesting ones. I have two that kind of, uh, they change, you know, what I'm, whatever I'm feeling. When it's on the field, it's one of our BYU Gators. But you know what, this one stays on, looks cool. You know, I kind of feel like a superhero when I'm walking around. <laughs> That's the right attitude to have always as an offensive lineman. Uh, of course, Coach Mateos would be the one that would provide those, right? Why am I not surprised? Oh, I was, you know, he came in one day and said, hey, here's your mask. And I was like, hey, okay, you know what? Free mask. They look good. I'll take it. <laughs> BYU opens up as a two-and-a-half-point underdog at Navy. That line has moved to about a point or a point-and-a-half, uh, depending on where you look or if you care about Vegas lines. How do you feel about playing in the season opener as an underdog? You know, well, it's always fuel of the fire. You know, I, put us in a corner, we'll come out swinging. That's what I always like. So many people that are against us, we'll, we'll go prove them wrong. Full steam ahead for Navy preparation right now. What do you know about the midshipmen and their defense right now and how they'll try and attack you? You know, their, their defense definitely likes to move around. They're one of those teams I like to stem. They're not going to stay put. They're rarely going to stay in the same um, front for long. Um, and, you know, they're going to they're gonna blitz us. We know that they're going to give that to us, and we're just prepared for every single one that they're going to give us. Of course, they're going to have their little flavor of the week, something new we haven't seen yet. But that being said, we're not going to let it shock us, to knock us off guard. We're, we're looking at all the film. We're going to be prepared for everything they throw at us. And we know for sure that they're not going to stay still. So, okay, we'll, we, we won't stay still with you. Fair enough. What has the scout team done to help you prepare for uh, a defensive front that likes to move around and show a lot of different looks? You know, they've actually done their due, their due diligence. Um, our GAs and our scout team alike have, you know, put the time in the film room, looking at what they like to do. They made sure to put in that work of, you know, when they're going to move, they're going to move. They're going to show us the best look that they can. And they've shown it so far um, this far in camp. And, you know, I love what they're doing. They're showing us a great look. And I know they're just going to come out today and give us another great one. BYU offensive lineman Tristan Hodge on BYU Sports Nation. This BYU team has largely been together since June with player-run practices, then some official team activities, and, of course, followed by training camp through uh, late July and through August. How have you avoided a burnout factor with this team, having been around each other so much and not really having had a summer break? You know, I think it's the uh, two months we had off, you know, two months of being completely separate for that entire quarantine, coming back together. You know, we were like, hey, we're getting a little stir crazy. Football's not in our lives. And when we finally got to come back together, we're like, hey, look, you know, this has kind of shown us, you know, the opportunities that we have and that at any moment uh, they can be kind of taken away and we can be put away for a little while. And, you know, we're taking advantage of all that, you know, knowing that anything can be the last. So we're, we're taking every day in stride and, you know, loving every second of it. How is this team different from any other team at BYU that you have been a part of? 
I definitely feel that like there's a sense of team unity. I, I, I feel that more than ever. And I, I say that again, you know, we've been gone away from each other for so long, you know, with spring ball being cut out that we realize there's a bigger appreciation of each other, of football, of the team and the season that we're going to have. So we, you know, we have a, a bigger vote of appreciation for everything. With team chemistry and relationships in mind, who's the defender that you enjoy competing against the most? <laughs> you know what? There's actually two that I love to do. I like to go against Kyrus and Bracken. I think they're the funnest. You know, they always, you know, they, they're always, they're super competitive. So it's, it's always a fun battle to go against those two. And there's always, you know, there's always banter. There's always jokes and stuff like that. So it's, it's always a good time. I'm not sure I could pick two more polar opposite personalities than Kyrus and Bracken. How do you manage that uh, polar uh, display of uh, personalities? Hey, I, I like it. You know, go from one end of the spectrum to the other. I think they're both, you know, they're, they're fun to go with. They certainly are getting you ready. I'm sure about that. Um, as far as scheduling goes and uh, the last four weeks seeing all these new teams pop into your schedule, what has that been like for you uh, from a mentality standpoint? You know, it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like Christmas. You don't really know what you're going to get. Um, I mean, beginning of fall camp, we didn't know who we were going to play at all. We had like two or three games that were somewhat still on the schedule, and we didn't, we had no game one. So we're sitting here like, okay, what's going on? Then, of course, game one pops up. We have Navy. We're like, okay, there's our gift. We're going to work toward that. Then another. Then another. Then another. It's like. It's like the gift that keeps on giving, you know, we're seeing you're getting new things. And it's, it's kind of cool, the surprise of not knowing who we're going to play next. It kind of adds a little spice, a little flavor, you know. Maybe this, maybe this is how it should be for, from now on is kind of uh, show the schedule late on and not, not tell you who you're playing until late. Yeah, we'll take that up with Tom Homo. I'm not sure his heart can handle that. Uh, but he's done, he's done a magnificent job putting together eight games thus far. Who else do you want on the 2020 schedule, Tristan? Whoever wants to play us, you know, I'm, I can't complain about games. If they want to play us, we'll play them. Rain or shine, wherever they want us to go, we'll go. Okay, you're the offensive coordinator, and you are calling the first play on offense for the season. What are you calling? Oh, man, I'm not calling a pass, that's for sure. I'm putting it on the back <laughs> of the O-line. We're running that ball. <laughs> I love it. I love the confidence, man. It's uh, great to catch up with you. Uh, we're super stoked, obviously, that BYU and Navy are going to kick off the season. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma. Go and distribute it uh, among your brethren on the offensive line, and let's have some fun in Annapolis. Yes, sir. We will. The energy has got to come from the Juice Crew. That's Tristan Hodge on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. Now, here's where this offensive line can uh, butter the bread, right? If Matt Bushman is indeed out and Hinkley Ropati is out, Right, That means you're going to rely on the offensive line to establish run. If you can get four or five yards on first down, that changes what you can do on second down. And uh, hopefully the O-line is as good as advertised because we think they're going to be pretty good. And Pro Football Focus thinks they're going to be pretty good. Brady Christensen, James Empey, Tristan, Chandon Herring, and Kiefer Longson, and Clark Barrington, and all these guys, right? It's going to be awesome. Pro Football Focus and Phil Steele had the BYU offensive line as a top-20 position group among the 130 Division One teams. So right. where, do, where do they rank now with the 76 Not, teams playing? Are they in the top 10 now? I mean, Maybe. Perhaps. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. As we have noted a couple of times on today's program, today, September 3rd, 
would have been a game day without all of the COVID madness. Are we ripping off scar tissue here? Is that what, Probably. That's what I feel like we're doing here? BYU Healthy? at Utah, Rice-Eccles Stadium. We had counted down to the Utes for so long, and then the Pac-12 shut it down, just like the Big Ten shut it down, and the Mountain West, and the MAC. But yet, here is BYU still playing. That said, it, it still kind of stings, at least to me. Are you over it, BYU Sports Nation? While you ponder that, um, we, we should modify the countdown for the next time the Cougars and Utes will play. Countdown to the Utes. 373. Yeah, so it's a ways <laughs> off. Yeah, so basically a year and a week, you know? <laughs> because this summer, Utah and the Pac-12 mainly just the Pac-12, decided they weren't going to play the football, leaving Brigham Young without a game. But guess what? You're always playing on Monday Night Football. So who cares? <laughs> no, I, I... Your head's way bigger than mine. It's probably because I'm leaning forward. Uh, and, and they, zoomed, zoomed they, they were zoomed in a little more. Uh, typically, my head is, is that bigger true? than yours. Is that true to life? <laughs> is that true to life? Oh, now, oh, now we're oh, about. Okay, okay. Now they're <laughs> pushing it, so mine's a little bigger. <laughs> Zoom in more, <laughs> Jeremy. <laughs> my head's pretty big, let's be honest. Um, uh, I, I was over it until we started talking about it. I'm serious. I just kind of moved on because it wasn't a yeah. thing anymore. Like, no, and, yeah, and listen, I wanted the streak to end. I wanted to see BYU and this upstart offense, uh, you know, year three of Jeff Grimes, year three of Zach Wilson, let's go, play at Utah. I wanted to see that end. But the moment that that game was canceled, it was like, all right, we broke up, find someone else to go right. on a date now, with. Now it would and, feel- and, and this date's at a nice restaurant. Listen, the feelings would be very different. Oh, the different. original schedule. This hurts. Oh, my goodness. This kind of hurts to look at. I'm the serious. feelings would be very different about BYU not playing Utah, if the Pac-12 were still playing, then there would oh, be right. way more resentment. It's yeah, like, yes, yes, amen. It's like you bring up the ex-girlfriend thing. Like if the ex-girlfriend uh, is in a way better Canceled situation. with you, but then went on to yes, deal with somebody else now later. Now she's dating a pre-med that comes from a oh, ton the, of money. Or a fireman. Yeah, way happier. You know, yes, you don't, you don't stack up physically <laughs> or financially. Well, that's the case now. But then the feelings would be very different. But because the Pac-12 is not playing, it's like, okay, you, right. your girlfriend is over, but she's depressed and just kind of alone. Honestly, listen, I feel bad for Utah and Utah State and Boise State, they're not playing at all. It stinks. I wish they were playing. It stinks. I And you're right. There would be more resentment regarding this. Like, ah! Now it's like, I'm sorry for you guys that you're not playing. I, because I like watching the BYU's opponents play in the lead-up to the game. And I like seeing that context and everything. I, I do think it's unique and fun that BYU's the only team playing a season. Air Force playing two games. West of Texas. Only two teams in the Mountain Time Zone. UTEP, by the way. The mountain time zone. But uh, no, I, am I over it? I was until we looked up the uh, ex-girlfriend on Facebook here talking about it. You know what I mean? Right, right. But it's not, it's not as devastating because she's not dating the rich, handsome, right. chiseled right. And <laughs> Bruce she's been, Wayne type. And she's been mean to us because she's one nine and <laughs> Yeah, yeah I, I, I'm looking forward to that game in the future, but it's not even the first game of the year. BYU plays Arizona in Allegiant Stadium in Vegas to open the year. That's going to be fun. I hope there are fans. I'm really hoping like that's a big deal, right? Yes. That like 
Maybe we take the show down or whatever. This is me, you know, reaching out on the air, talking about it. Junior's going to love that. Look at the 2021 home schedule. Utah. Okay, we're, we're talking next year. Okay. Arizona State, South Florida, Boise State, Virginia. Virginia on my birthday? Idaho State. Yes, What's up, Bronco? Your, happy birthday, Jeremy. You get Virginia and Bronco Mendenhall. Happy birthday to me. Holy cow. Okay, f- uh, three power fives plus Boise State. At and, then, and then Idaho State, which let, let's hope we have a Robbie Bullough walk-off interview situation again. That was then, fun. Then look at the uh, away schedule. You mentioned the Allegiant Stadium game. Yes, so, it's uh, going to be BYU awesome. BYU South in Las Vegas, where there will be Coug- a ton of fans. Cougar Stadium South, according to Brian Kiel. He forgot it was Lavelle. At Utah State, always a fun game. At Baylor is probably... That's going to be awesome. That and at USA are probably the two toughest games on the schedule next year. At Washington State is a fun matchup. And then at Georgia Southern gives BYU fans well, in the South a rare opportunity opportunity to come watch the we'll Cougs. see what Baylor is without Matt Rule who went to the NFL yeah we'll see what they are man 2021 that, that stadium on the river is going to be awesome that is the pinnacle of Scott as good as this schedule was it's this too, year it's too good there's that seven, one the 2021 schedule I've been pointing at a long time seven power fives too good and the way, way that good. it's set up where BYU doesn't have to leave the state until late October yeah or sorry uh, they they leave the state for Las Vegas, but it's a neutral game. They don't have a road game out of the state until late October. That's crazy. Uh, you know what's crazy? Seven power fives. That's that's crazy. You know how many I want? Three. BYU has so one less four. power five than they do overall games right if now. If BYU played one more power five, that'd be like a league schedule. <laughs> so we're going to see what life's and, and actually Boise, like for BYU. Seven power fives and Boise State. Which it's is power five schedule. They're a, they're a, they're a P, they're a G five plus. If that makes sense. Man. Like in baseball, you'd say, oh, yeah, it's plus power, right? Boise Three, State's A. 373 to Utah, Jeremy. Just don't forget it. 373. Okay, so that means there's, what, 364, 5? To, to the season opener next yeah. year? 366 to the season opener. Against Arizona? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I was, okay, I was over it until we started talking about it. <laughs> Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Underdog BYU football opens as a two and a half point underdog to the Naval Academy. One week from today, as Jerem just pointed out, that line has moved to one and a half and in some places, one, which means people like BYU's chances in this game. Jerem is opening as a two and a half point underdog fair for BYU. Yeah, I, I think it is. Uh, I think Navy is a team that at home uh, should be favored in this game. It, it was a team that, yes, lost a tremendous quarterback last year in Malcolm Perry. Uh, but it's also a team full of eight of the top ten rushers. The top two tacklers are back. The leadership on this team is back. And, of course, the head coach is the most stabilizing factor in Kenny Amatololo. They had a down year two years ago, but this has been a team that's won 9, 10, 11 games four of the last five years, I believe. They, they are good. They should be the favorite. What has BYU done to earn being a favorite in this game? I, I don't think they have. I think they can do that, say, going to Army. If BYU wins this game or competes well and barely loses, I think perhaps BYU could be a favorite at Army. But in this game, Navy should be the favorite. They return too much. Their head coach is really good. It's, it's on the road. It's two time zones for BYU. It's a weird situation on a Monday. BYU should be a dog in this game. That doesn't mean BYU will lose the game. 
but they should be a dog. There are a couple of wild cards at play here. One, there are going to be no fans. So how much of a home field advantage is home field right now? What it really means is we didn't travel advantage. It's a travel disadvantage for BYU, if you will. And that's it. Okay, no fans. Facility, the nuances of the field, right? The other wild card is how long has each team that BYU will play been able to practice and really – be cohesive as a unit based on having to stay away from campus, based on local governments. Like, so there are several, or federal governments. Federal governments, in this case. yeah, right. There are several unique things in play. Those two are the main wild cards for me, but I still think the line is fair because typically the home team gets a three-point advantage just for being the home team. So this tells me it's essentially a pick 'em game. But because Navy gets to stay there and BYU has to travel 2,000 miles across country, they're going to give a slight advantage to Navy. I think it's fair. I will be interested to see how much BYU practicing for longer than Navy really impacts BYU's ability to hit the ground running or not. Yeah, and, and I wonder, too, so the, the pros of BYU being together since June, essentially, a uh, you know, week off here or there, is that – They've been together, and the leadership has been formed, and roles have been carved out a little bit, right? Games, the roles emerge. But this is a, this is a senior and junior-led BYU team. This is the most experienced team that Kalani Stake has had since 2016. Uh, and BYU's won four, seven, and seven games the last couple of years. I think they certainly get over that mark, whether that's by win percentage or not, depending on how many games they play. Kind of has to be that way. (laughs) Right. The thing I fear, though, is because they've had this sort of extended fall camp period um, getting ready, is is burnout. Initially, perhaps no, but later in the season, I I am going to remember that they've been going, you know, harder than normal since June. Typically, they have July off. They didn't have July off this year. They went through it. So let's, let's keep that in mind when we do this. And then Navy, Kenya Matsalola brought it up a couple of weeks ago. They haven't been together as long. So is that a dis- disadvantage? Will they be more fresh than, say, a BYU? Although I don't yeah. – tackling every day. So those are things to consider. He verbalized his concern. He said this is clearly the most unique uh, situation that I've ever been in as a, as a head coach. And, and he said, I, I, I'm interested to see how ready we will be. But it's the Naval Academy. If anyone's ready, it's the Navy. It's the Naval Academy. They're ready at any moment. Oh, little football game? Who cares? These guys are ready to protect and defend, baby. Uh, Yes, some scheme against BYU, whatever. Yeah, if any team can get ready on on a dime. It's Navy or Army or Air Force or VMI. You know what I mean? What's interesting about uh, the Naval Academy is they don't close their practices to anybody, by the way. If you can get on campus. If you can get on campus, yeah. you can go watch. Like, but you and I tr- can't just stroll up to campus. They're not trying though. to hide anything. Like, yeah. You know what's coming. Can you stop it? If That's you, the real challenge. If you can get on the base, and having grown up uh, you know, going to Air Force bases with my dad – it was always fun to be like, oh, we got through. I was always like, oh, we have to stop. They have to check us. You know, um, It's a thing. Like You and I can't just roll up in Annapolis to go to that. <laughs> okay, topic two. The depth chart will be released today for BYU. What are the first three things you're looking for? Okay, number one, and these are in order. Who's the backup quarterback? I think Zach Wilson is clearly the starter right now. Yeah. But who's the backup? Is it Baylor Romney or is it Jaron Hall? I think Baylor Romney has had – a great camp from what we've been told and from our rash assumptions videos. Mm-hmm. Baylor Romney has had an outstanding camp. So who's the backup quarterback? Number two, what's the depth chart specifically at running back? Lopini Katoa, Tyler Algier, and then what? 
Uh, who comes it, after that? You, Jackson McChesney, probably. It, or Hinkley Ropati. Right. That's the question. That was a late addition uh, because think, Bruce Garrett left the program. You'd think Jackson because he's been here. He knows the playbook. He's Hinkley, it's been a, literally like three weeks, okay. four weeks. So the running back depth chart. And then who's the second tight end, Jerem? Isaac Rex. You would think, I, right? I, yeah. I'll be surprised if it's Because not. Jeff Grimes has said, well, tight end, it's Matt Bushman and then everybody else. Like that, that's a direct quote from him. Matt Bushman and then everybody else. But well, Isaac Rex. Yeah. That Come on. There's All-American candidate and then there's uh, dude still trying to grow facial hair. Who else? Who's, who's <laughs> else is in they're, the mix with all, Isaac Rex? I kid. They're all very young. Okay. So those, those are my three biggest questions. They all come on the offensive side of the ball because I feel confident that uh, BYU has their core at defense based on what they bring back. Okay. Mark it down. You ready for the backup quarterback? What's going to be listed? Ready. Are you ready? Ready. It's going to say or. It's going to say or. It's going to say, say Baylor, Romney, or Jaron Hall. We won't have an answer. Mm. You know this, right? I, I'm, I'm just, it's not, they're not going to answer. But who's listed first? Because maybe that still means something. They'll go alphabetical. It'll be Jaron Hall <laughs> by last name. Um, yeah, that's the first thing to look at, right? Um, I, I'm wondering what formation BYU will say it's in. So what's fun about these depth charts is, who knows how much they're actually the depth chart versus political statements for the team itself and or the media, right? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't look at that depth chart and go, that's what it actually is. The coaches have shown their hand, and that's exactly what the depth chart is. That's not how it works. That's not how it works, okay? Years of doing this, we know this. Will BYU say they're in a 4-2-5 in this? I don't think they will. Do they have they, to? No, they don't have to do anything. They don't have to have a depth chart. They literally don't have to do this. The fact that they do this is just kind of nice for the rest of us. And, uh, you know, uh, Gregor Bell already knows the depth chart, whether they release it or not. For his boards, he's got to call the game, right? Will BYU reveal it's in a 4-2-5? Will it, because for Navy and Army, they won't be. There's no way they're going to play nickel against those two, right? If anything, they're going to play like a 5-2 or something, right, against these squads. It's going to be very different. You load the box and you hope you don't get burned over the top a couple times where they get you. That's where that discipline will come in. I'm interested to see the linebacker depth. We know that Peyton Wilgar and Isaiah Kafusi are main guys. Keenan Peely and Max Tooley and others are definitely in the mix to get a lot of playing time. Max Tooley, perhaps, with a hand in the ground as a sort of side-tow-to-Harvey-Longy hybrid linebacker defensive lineman type. We'll see, right? Secondary, I'm also interested in. We know Troy Warner and Zane Anderson will be the starting safeties. That's just obvious. They are 17-year seniors. Chris Wilcox been... is, is that guy at cornerback, right? Right. You'd think that Chris Wilcox is uh, you know, one of those corners. And then who's the other corner? Okay. Um, and how many, how many do you declare? Because Navy will line up one receiver. A lot of the times, you know, sometimes I do too. declare exactly. So it, it'll be interesting to see what's in there. Um, we got one of the more interesting ones last week, by the way, knowing who the kicker is, is a big deal. I talked about this a year or two ago. I thought the difference in BYU Utah, one of the things that we didn't talk about a lot was the kicker. I thought, I think having a kicker who can score points for you when you get, when you stall outside the red zone, not in the red zone, outside the red zone. The harder kicks, a.k.a. the 35-45, and then when you go 45-55, can that guy score? In the first half of the season, Jake Oldroyd was the best in the country. He led the nation in, in field goal makes 10 of 11 and by percentage. And then something happened. Hopefully there's been a restoration emotionally, mentally, physically with sure. Jake Oldroyd where he is okay. And then the other thing is punter. Bureau is going to roll out a true freshman punter and Ryan Rico who hopes to make a difference because field position matters. Gregor Bell has shouted it from the rooftops for a long time. If BYU wins 
the field position battle. They typically win the game. It's just it's like ninety percent yield. Go figure. That's a big deal, and BYU's gonna roll out a true freshman they, that they believe is pretty good. Can you win the field position battle against a team like Navy? And more importantly, how much time can you keep the football BYU against will Navy? not win the time of possession. No. It's just a matter of it'll be like it'll be like forty twenty. It'll be just something crazy. But can BYU score in the limited possessions? Because you're right, BYU will have probably two, three fewer possessions than they would normally. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's play Buy, Sell, or Hold, presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. Number one, Jason, Buy, Sell, or Hold. The loss of Matt Bushman at tight end to a season-ending Achilles injury, not changing your win projections for the BYU football season. Okay, maybe I, am, maybe I need to put on the blue goggles. I'm buying this. I, I Losing Matt Bushman is massive, but I don't know if it changes the games I thought BYU would win or maybe thought that I don't think it, I don't know if it sways anything, especially because of the schedule. I think BYU should still be able to win as many games because of the opponents that they're playing. BYU should be able to manage their way through a much less difficult schedule than what they originally had without Matt Bushman. But Jason, he's a game changer, not just by catching the ball and in the red zone and touchdowns and trick plays. He opens up the field for everybody else. It may be margin of victory that it affects more than wins or losses. See, I think Matt Bushman is worth a victory. I think he makes a play or two or at least opens up the field for his teammates to make a play or two that maybe now cost BYU a game. So I hate to say it, but uh, I'm buying that him not playing is going to hurt BYU by maybe a game. Okay. All right. Buy, sell, or hold the S&P projection of Western Kentucky being the toughest game on BYU's schedule this year. <laughs> I'm torn here because Western Kentucky is at the top of my group and five anxiety index. But it's a home game, and I like the maturity of this team compared to the last two years. Uh, I still think Navy on the road to open the season uh, is the toughest challenge overall. I think Houston's the best opponent. So I'm I'm selling Western Kentucky as the toughest team on BYU's schedule. Yes, I am selling it as well. I agree with you. I think it's Navy, number one. It's the first game of the year. You're on the road. The other two are in Provo. And with Navy, you're obviously going up against a scheme that you don't face all the time. So I, I, I'm selling that it's Western Kentucky. Okay. Uh, we have this final buy, sell, or hold with the following video from Jimmer Fredette on Instagram. Anyone that has kids knows about that. The kids are asleep, so we need to be quiet. And the shot goes in, and then it gets gets better because of the dance. Yes. (laughs) Buy, sell, or hold. Jimmer Fredda having a second career as a social media trick shot artist. Um, I'm going to sell the trick shot artist angle, but as a social media personality and influencer, if he wants to do that, he absolutely could have it. Yeah, I'm going to sell it. The guy guy has way too too much basketball left in his career, so I'm going to sell that. (laughs) By the way, I don't even know how you do stuff like that. That's insane to me. Our question of the day. We leave Jimmer dancing and move back to BYU. Should we do it in the Jimmer, the kids are asleep voice? No. Ah, yeah, no. 
That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.